Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church. Life, faith, together. The Bible reading is from John chapter 11 and verses 17 to 44. And I've asked Victoria to come and read the Bible to us. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Mary heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who'd come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus! Come out! The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Well, with the outbreak of the coronavirus, a lot of people are asking questions. Questions like, where are you, God? Or even, where were you, God? Where, where were you when I was suffering? Where, where were you when I needed you? You see, suffering has a, a powerful way of cutting us at the core and raising questions that we didn't even know we had. Some questions are short and to the point. Why God? Others are, are more relational. Where have you been? Where on earth have you been? And so today I would like to 
focus on God's response to Corona virus to the COVID-19. How does God respond to our suffering? And the best picture I think we get, uh, in my opinion at least, uh, of God's response to, to suffering is found in John chapter 11 when Lazarus dies. Now, Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha, were very close friends of Jesus. And so when, when Lazarus becomes really ill and things are, are really not looking good at all, they send word for Jesus. Uh, they are uh, good enough friends so that they, they feel free to call Jesus when, when their world is falling apart. But we read in verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. It's, it's too late. Uh, the family have already prepared the body and wrapped the body. They've, they've already wept and held the funeral. They've already placed the body in the tomb. It's too late. And so when Jesus approaches the house, house, both Mary and Martha say the exact same thing to Jesus in, in verse 21 and 32. They say, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And, and that's our question. Where were you, God? Where, where on earth have you been? Where, where were you when I needed you? So how does Jesus respond? How does God respond to our suffering? Well, firstly, God gets angry with us. Not, not at us. He doesn't get angry at us. He gets angry with us. You see, when we are confronted with suffering and death, we often respond just like Mary and Martha. We protest. If, if only you had been here. You see, there's something within us that says, this is wrong. It shouldn't be like this. And so we become angry and, and we look for someone to blame. And if we can't find someone to blame, we, we blame God. We often blame God. Even atheists blame the God they don't believe in. But Jesus, Jesus doesn't respond to their anger by saying, well, why, why are you angry? Stop, stop getting angry. I'm God. I can do whatever I want. No, no, he doesn't say that. Rather, we are told that he too gets angry. And we read in verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Now, the phrase deeply moved in, uh, in spirit is, it's too weak of a translation. A better and a, a more literal translation is he was angry 
in his spirit. Or as the New Living Translation puts it, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. You see, when Jesus sees suffering, when he he sees death and, and the mourning it causes, he gets angry. He too believes this is wrong. It shouldn't be like that. And so he gets angry. You see, suffering and death is an intrusion into God's good world. God God didn't intend this. God didn't will this. And so when God sees this, and when God sees suffering, and he sees death, and the mourning it causes, he gets angry. He gets angry at death and at suffering. And so God gets angry with us. Secondly, God cries with us. He gets angry with us, and secondly, he cries with us. When Jesus sees Mary crying, we read in verse 34, where have you laid him? Jesus asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Then verse 35, the the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Where is God when we're suffering? He is present with you and he's weeping with you. He comes to you and he grieves with you. Even though Jesus knew he was going to raise Lazarus up from the dead, he He enters into their grief in the present and he grieves with them. He feels their pain and his his heart is broken. He doesn't say to them, well, why why are you crying? Stop this crying. Don't you know I'm going to raise Lazarus from the dead? Everything's going to be fine. No, he doesn't say that. A lot, of, a lot of people with, with the best of intentions end up saying the worst things. Oh, oh, stop crying. Oh, it'll be okay. Everything will be just fine. And we, of course, want to tell them to shut up. God never responds like that. Even though Jesus knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, in the midst of their grief and pain, their anger, And their tears, Jesus weeps with them. He he shares their pain. He enters into their pain. This is the God we serve. We don't serve a God who's aloof and, and remains detached from our suffering. No, we serve a God who comes and grieves with us. God doesn't only come and suffer for us. He comes and he suffers with us. He shares our pain. 
And this is how God responds to our suffering. And then thirdly, God dies and rises for us. So he gets angry with us. He cries with us. And then thirdly, he dies and rises for us. Often people say, well, well, why doesn't God do something? Well, he has done something in Jesus. He, he came in the person of Jesus and he died for us. He came in the person of Jesus and he took the consequences of, of the mess that, that we made. He took the consequences upon himself so that we could be forgiven and so that we could experience eternal life. With Jesus' dialogue with Martha, he says in verse 25 and verse 26, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And of course, the story ends with Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. For Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Jesus is, is the very essence and the source of all life. And so Jesus is also the very essence and, and, and the source of eternal life. And so we can experience eternal life through faith in Jesus. We have a sure and certain hope. And, and this eternal life, this, this life, this true life starts right now. And it goes on beyond death. You see, being a follower of Jesus doesn't mean that we're not going to suffer. But it does mean that we have a sure and a certain hope that one day there will be an end to all pain and suffering. Everything will be made new. There'll be no more mourning or crying or death. No more coronavirus. Everything will be made new. You see, suffering doesn't have the last word. This, this life isn't the end of the story. If, if this life was all there was, then we would have no hope and we would have no security. We have had a false sense of security. We, we thought we were really secure, that everything was fine. But with the outbreak of the coronavirus, our eyes have been opened that we, we actually don't have a lot of security. Actually, things are very insecure and, and life is, is fragile and it's fleeting and it's frail. Flowers bloom and then they fade away. And it's the same with our life. It's, it's fleeting. But we have a hope. A sure and a certain hope of eternal life. And so we need to see the, the frailty and, and, and the fleetingness of, of life within the context of eternity, which is vast. See, God's got all eternity to put things right. 
He's got all eternity to compensate us for our suffering. And so when we're suffering, when we're going through a hard time, we need to know that Jesus is right there with us. And, and he is just as angry as we are with, with evil and suffering and death. And he feels our pain. He shares our pain. And he cries with us. He shares in our suffering. And he has done something about it. He's, he died for us. He defeated death and evil so that we can be forgiven, so that we can experience eternal life. This life is not the end of the story. And this is God's response to our suffering. How should we minister to those who are suffering? Well, just like Jesus. We need to be with them. We, we need to get angry at, at evil and suffering with them. We need to cry with them. And we need to pray with them. And when the time is right, we can tell them about the hope that we have in Jesus. As a final thought, I, all I can leave you with is where I am at the moment. I have a lot of questions that I'm still wrestling with. Maybe I'll carry these questions for the rest of my life. But what helps me is knowing that Jesus is present in my suffering. And knowing that God is bigger than my suffering. This is not the end of the story. And I'm inspired by the life of Jesus. I'm inspired to help those in need. To mourn with the brokenhearted. And to pass on the hope. That one day. God will make everything new. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I stand amazed in all that you are not a God who remains aloof and detached from my suffering. But you enter into my suffering, you feel my pain and you suffer with me. You don't only suffer for me, but you suffer with me. You draw near to me, you are just as angry and you believe it's, it's wrong as much as I do. And you cry with me. You weep with me. And I thank you that you have given us a hope. We thank you that this is not the end of the story. 
we thank you that you loved us so much that you took all the consequences all the pain all the hurt all the disease upon yourself and you dealt with it on the cross so that we could be forgiven so we could be set free so we could experience life eternal life and so we thank you and we worship you and we say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. For more information, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.